Are you guys ready for some word? You guys ready for some word? Getting close. Are you guys ready for some word? Just say word. That's right. I'm excited today uh, to, to share with you and continue on a series uh, that we started last week called Seasons, and uh, hopefully you have been able to maybe catch up on that with live stream or also uh, through Facebook where you can like and, and do all that kind of stuff and follow that, um, but also you can follow our podcast as well. Uh, Michael getting all of those updated for us. Thank you so much, Michael. Can you wave? So they, These are the people. You see them in the back? They keep things rolling. You see that? Look at you guys. We love you guys so much. But Michael getting our podcast up to date, so maybe you're out running in the car or running on the trail, you can listen to, to Sunday's message. And it's important for us to get that out there in that way because we use our Sunday message as a download, if you will, uh, to inform our Connect Group leaders so they can have conversation with you guys based out of that. So we're excited. So today we are continuing on our, our series called Seasons. Um, do you know how sometimes it's really hard to capture everything that God is saying in your life? You ever felt that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You feel like you are so full and in and, and a good way to, that, that God is just speaking a lot, you're journal, journaling a lot, you're, you're reading a lot, and then sometimes you're like, well, how do I even communicate this? That's the kind of season that I'm in in a good way. And that God has said so much over this past week, it was really hard to boil down up to like midnight last night, boiling things down, realize I just need to go to bed, okay? I just need to go to bed because there's so much going on. So last week, you know, it, it was difficult to boil that down as well, but we were talking about change and looking for change, right? And, and, I, and I heard some feedback throughout the week how folks were looking for changes within their lives throughout the week as well, seeing God in new ways, uh, re recultivating the soil, remember that, of their own lives to receive and to grow. And Matt, you gave us a great example of that earlier, just praying through that for us. Uh, just, just challenged to change. And I told you, honestly, I don't like change. Who's with me? Who does not like change, okay? Um, but that's not what seasons are about. Seasons are about an opportunity for change could happen because it can happen happen, all right? And the understanding that God is doing a new thing, regardless if you like it or not, sometimes he's doing a new thing in your life, which has been a theme verse for us in many ways, Isaiah 43, um, forgetting the former things and seeing that something new is springing up, do you not see it? And that's our goal, to see it and understand that change starts within our hearts, all right? I've been reading a great book uh, by Andy Stanley. I don't know if you guys like Andy Stanley, but Enemies of the Heart, which is such a great book, just seeing what life flows out of, and that is your heart, something that you could be challenged by. It's kind of a devotional reading in a lot of ways, but God is doing a new thing, and we're excited for that, but it can be a little scary. And what's even scarier about that is trying to learn how to live in those changes. Are you with me on that? Maybe you've started some, some new rhythms. Maybe, I don't know, college. All right. Maybe you've started a new job. Maybe you're in a new relationship. Maybe you've got some new friendships. Maybe there's some different things that are happening. It's been switching up the rhythm of your life, and it's hard to live in this new rhythm. So how do we do that? How do we live? And what we're going we're gonna to land on today, which was so hard for me to really boil down in so, many, in so many ways, was one word that we see exemplified in this lady Mary's life. It's really exciting to, to read about, and you'll, you'll get a glimpse of that. This one word, though, obedience. Obedience. Now, when I hear a word like obedience, and, and in, in this state, it's a, it's a noun. To obey is actually a verb. But when you think of obedience as a noun, this is like a thing. 
right? I remember growing up, okay, understanding that I needed to change many times, understanding that God was even pointing me towards ways that he wanted me to change. The biggest failure I had towards that change was obedience. How many of you guys, be honest with me, have felt God give you some sort of direction in your life? Okay, some sort of direction. You might be here because of that direction. Meaning you might be at college. You might be in Morgantown as, as an employee. You might be in this stage of life because God's saying something to you. But sometimes there's things that God says to us that we're very slow to be obedient in. Are you, are you tracking with me here? You know, I remember growing up at the age of 12 being called into ministry, literally. Felt called to be a youth pastor that young that God wanted to do something like that with my life. What happened at age 14? My parents, the relationship began to split and all kinds of things were happening within my family life. What did I do? Did I choose to be obedient to the call and listen to what God had for my life? You know, uh, just number one, to be a Christ follower, uh, uh, to, 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 to love others as myself and, and to be someone that just is, is a giver of the good news. No, in that time, I began to become disobedient to what God said. I struggled to obey. Is that about us being in trouble for not listening? No, it's not about that. Is that about us, you know, thinking like, how many ways have I been disobedient? It's not about that. It's about from the matter of the heart, the depths of our heart, what has God said to you and what are you supposed to do with it? Obedience. Are you with me? It is one of the hardest things you will ever do in your life to be obedient to what God says. Promise you, promise you. Because nonstop, everything around you says disobeying this, disobeying that, forget God in this, forget God in that. Since the beginning of time, what has the enemy sought to do? Separate you from God, from the plans of God for your life by just whispering those small little things. And if you don't know that you're rooted, that you're found in him, that you're good soil, it's gonna be really hard to grow in him and be obedient in what he has for your life. So, obedience right, is something that has to happen within our lives. It's hard to come by. You saw it defined on your screen before you and I defined it in layman's terms in many ways. So let's get into the life of Mary. This is Mary of Bethany. This is Mary, uh, Lazarus' sister. Have you read about Lazarus before? Anybody familiar with that story? This is a guy that was raised from the dead, a stinky mess, okay? Meaning for four days, he had been within the tomb and Jesus, who was actually friends with Lazarus, Martha, and Mary, he came to their house after doing ministry when he could have been there before and stopped it, right? He could have healed him. But he had a bigger plan. God had a bigger plan with Jesus' obedience to raise Lazarus from the dead. Why? Because that would speak even louder than healing someone that was living. Are you with me on that? So we see the, 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 the context of this relationship. We see that Martha and Mary and Lazarus, these were people that loved to entertain. They were hospitable. They had the gift of hospitality. You know, they, they would welcome people into their home in this way. And that's why Jesus was there many times before. That's why he was already friends with them. They had this relationship that was so beautiful and that Jesus had a place that was safe for him to go and just be Jesus, the son of God not Jesus the Messiah. Does that make sense? Just like you, the son or daughter of God, not someone crazy special, if you will, okay? You are special, but you know what I mean by that. So, Mary. When we first see Mary, we see her in Luke 10. 
And we see uh, Mary in this way that it, it kind of encapsulates her as a person and also I think something that we want to strive for in our own lives. Verses 38 through 42, you'll see it on your screen, but you can also open your Bibles as well or turn on your Bibles and still follow with me. So as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Hospitality, right? She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted. That is such a great word for today, isn't it? What were we just talking about? You know what I mean? Distracted. It doesn't take much. Distracted by all the preparations that had to be, that had to be made. Distracted by Instagram. You know, it is beautiful to see the pictures uh, and all of the great things that God is doing all over the world in our friends' lives, but we can get distracted. You know what I'm saying? That's another series called FOMO that's coming next, okay? But distraction, we'll talk more about that later. She came to him and asked, Lord, I love this, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Does that sound like your home life growing up? Oh, that's, that's where we're at right now. It's a lot of fun. Bless us. Pray for us when you think about us. Lord Jesus, it's getting real. Don't you care? Don't you care, Jesus? Come on, look what's happening to me. Woe is me. He says, Martha, Martha. After telling him, demanding Jesus, Jesus, make her help me. And Jesus is like, I'm gonna smack you. <laughs> the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. Can you imagine this counseling session? <laughs> she starts freaking out. He's like, So how did that make you feel? You know, can you imagine that? Jesus already knowing how she felt. Angry, upset, worried about many, distracted by so many things. He said, you're upset about many things, but listen here, honey, child. Many, many things you're thinking about, but few things are needed. Or indeed, actually, let me boil this down for you. Only one. See, Martha, Mary has chosen which is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You can make the best cake, Martha. You can cook the finest lamb, Martha. But this girl has figured it out. See, what, what she's getting right now, what she's feeding on from me, the moments we're having together right now, this will not be taken away from her, but the meal will be consumed. The time will end that we're spending together today, but what she is getting with me right now, she has chosen wisely. You picture him kind of, welcome to the dojo. She has chosen wisely. You see what I mean? That's what I picture. I mean, that's how I read it. I think it's fun. So then we also see in John 12, another one of the gospels, something else about Mary's life that, that really gives us a glimpse into what kind of person she was. She was, you know, someone that would choose wisely to be at the feet of Jesus. But we also see something else unique about her. Her verses 1 through 11. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. He was crazy. Jesus was crazy to come back to the very place that made him the most famous in his journey here on earth. Raising Lazarus from the dead. People were not happy about this. The religious leaders were not happy. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Wouldn't that be something to celebrate? Sure. Lazarus coming back. Everybody thought it was over. Okay? And we see there's a dinner celebrating. Martha served. Does that sound familiar? 
While Lazarus was among those reclining at the table, I'd be chilling out too. I would be enjoying every single day because I got a new lease, wouldn't you? I would be so, I'd be reclining at the table. I'd be like, give me something else to eat. I am hungry. I will never go on another diet again, all right? You see what I'm saying by this? Do you picture this with me? Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Can I get a ooh? I don't like feet. I can get an amen on that from somebody, I'm sure. (laughs) And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. This will make sense soon, don't worry. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, he objected. And Judas responds, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? That's right, Judas, you tell them. You stand for what is right in this moment, right? He said it's worth a year's wages. What she has done right now is irresponsible with the funding because he was the banker who was irresponsible with the funding, skimming a little off the top, we find out later. He did not say this because he cared about the poor. No, that's not why, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Just I'll take a little extra shilling there, a little extra silver, a little extra gold. Can you imagine this? Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me, Jesus responds. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, not only because they wanted him dead, but also to see Lazarus, whom he'd raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. Isn't this like building? Isn't this like watching one of Netflix's latest movies, you know, that they produced in-house that are getting pretty good now? And it's building and it's building and it's building. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. Because of what God did through Lazarus, it was messing up the religious system as well. So let's kill the threat, both of them, Jesus and Lazarus. Matthew 26, another account. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar, I just want you to get the full picture, of a very expensive perfume which she poured on his head as he was reclining. So we hear from head to toe. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? We see that it's specifically Judas and other ones, but we also see probably the other disciples as well. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. They're looking at the monetary value of the perfume versus the value of what was happening in this situation and what Jesus was allowing to happen. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on on my body, she did it to prepare me. He was talking about future events. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached, listen to this, throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Have you ever read that and weighed that? Wherever the good news message of Jesus Christ, of me, will be shared is what Jesus is saying. I'm also going to talk about what Mary did today. Why? Why? obedience see we see that thread of obedience so in all throughout this 
the gospels, the, 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 the guys that were seeing it from a different perspective, each of them, they were sowing in obedience so that today we can look at these real life examples and say, wow, if they can be obedient, I think I can do the same, all right? But let's kind of get some realities about obedience to kind of ground this in our hearts and, and what it makes sense for today. As we ask the question, are you living in obedience? See, obedience, and this is important, is birthed by relationship. Obedience is birthed by relationship. We think about that. We think about children being born. The desire for that is them to be birthed out of a father and a mother and a loving relationship, and then life comes from that thing. When we think about obedience, it should be birthed out of the relationship that we have with God through the Son, Jesus Christ. It's birthed out of relationship. I read it to you earlier, the first account that we we get of Mary talking with Jesus being at his feet. Martha, Martha, verse 41, remember that? You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. Mary is at my feet. See, being someone that was so hospitable, and that was something that identified that family as as one who was hospitable to those who would come into the home, she realized that the relationship with the person in my home is more important than what I can do for this person that's in my home. I grew up, oh man, clean everything. Somebody's coming over. Clean the house. Get everything. Anybody know that house? You're you're like, (laughs) we're all in therapy because of it. Thank God for a wonderful wife named Kara Myers, my wife. Yeah, for real. Who has, who has taught me that not everything's that big of a deal, Justin. And I'm like, you're wrong. No, actually, you're right. Being versus doing. This has been such a battle in my life. Being versus doing. Being versus doing. Being versus doing. You heard me say it before, but we are human, not humans. How often do we forget that in obedience to the one that created us to be a human being, not a human doer? Martha thought, she really thought she was doing the best by serving Jesus, by giving him food and giving him drink, serving him in that way. But he's like, sweetheart, honey, sit down for a second. Bless your heart. That's a southern term for you so stupid. Sit down for just a second. Not you're so stupid, but you missed it, honey. It's about being with me. Your sister here, oh, don't compare me to my sister. That'll bring up some more therapeutic conversations for us all. She chose what was best. She placed herself in proximity to me at my feet. She put herself close to me. She was obedient to be present with me relationship is the desire is the desired base for all things since the very beginning this has been God's desire for us and since the very beginning it has been the enemy's desire to stop it from happening it's about deep commitment isn't it that's what relationship's about deep commitment and that's hard to find nowadays isn't it it really is the circles that we run in and the friends that we make, to see that, that, man, they really are committed to me. But when we think about this with God, it's about us being deeply committed to him. It's based out of trust, and this is hard as well. Trust. 
You can't have any successful relationship if you don't trust the person that you're with. And you think about it with Jesus and how, what a struggle he had to get the disciples to trust him completely and who he was. As he's asleep in the boat, they're freaking out, right? They'd seen all these miracles happen. Jesus re- restoring the sight to blind people, right? All these kinds of things that he did, multiplying loaves and fishies, doing all kinds of great stuff. Yet when a storm came on the water, and he's clearly okay with it because he's sleeping in the boat. They get freaked out. And he's like, don't, y'all, don't you trust me? And then they say, even the winds and the waves obey this guy. Oh, maybe we should trust him. It's like, we should trust him before, right? We should be fully committed before he has to stop a storm. Be committed to him, obey during the storm, understanding that he's with you. It's out of a desire for discipleship that, that's, that's where this obedience comes in, discipleship to him. And it does not fall to distraction. It doesn't fall to distraction in a world that we are so distracted. God, since the beginning, has desired this type of connection with you. The question for you is, will you choose to connect with him and be at his feet? Obedience, second, is this. It comes at a cost. It comes at a cost. John 12, four through six, we see that as, as Judas gets fired up about how much this perfume is worth. We see that the disciples got fired up in Matthew 26 as well from the perception there that we see. They, they're like, this is so expensive. Why couldn't we use this to the furtherance of your kingdom and fed more people and, and helped us to continue to journey on? Why are we allowing her to waste this right now? But Mary chose what was better, still the theme that is overarching here. See, I want you to think about this for just a moment. For a Jewish woman to let down her hair was a big deal. It was a sign of commitment to a man. Typically, they only would do that, show their hair to one whom they were married to. Okay, you know what I'm saying by that? So for her not only to take this expensive worth, one year's wage, perfume, and put it on Jesus, anoint Jesus for what was ahead, that was a cost. We see that as a monetary cost, right? But she also was willing to forego public opinion as well to be obedient to Christ. She was willing to open herself up to all of the scrutiny that would probably come from her life, from all of those around her in her life, because she wanted to be obedient to what God had told her to do for Jesus. Are you with me? Are you, are you tracking with me? This is really important. It's kind of funny how people try to dictate your obedience, isn't it? And sometimes they try to dictate your obedience with what they say, right? But sometimes they, they, they dictate your obedience by what they don't even say, and it's what you feel they would say. She was willing to forego all of that. She was willing to pay that cost to be completely obedient to what God was asking of her to do for Jesus. He put that in her heart to put on display who Jesus as the Messiah, what he was here to do, what he came to be to us so that we could be what we're supposed to be back to him. See, Judas, though, he chose selfishness, secrecy, and self-preservation. But see, the beauty of Mary, she gave up an earthly peace for a heavenly peace. Provision, right? A year's worth of wages that she could have sold just as easily popularity, 
and even the predictability of her life. What does that mean? I think that's so important. Remember how I told you I don't like change? Who doesn't like change with me? Be honest. Even if things are not going well, it's nice to know what things are gonna look like the next day. Are you with me? Sometimes people live in a state of dysfunction and stay in it because it's predictable. Have you noticed that? I can guarantee you there are many things that God has said throughout your life you're still yet to obey from many years ago, right? Because you're afraid of what it may change and what the cost may be because you don't want it to ruin the predictability of your life. That may seem so simple and silly, but at least dysfunction is something that I can predict. My own failures, I can predict that. My short, I, can, I can predict that. She was willing to be completely obedient and put everything on the line, everything on the line. When you think about that letting her hair down, I wonder if, if she was you know, then viewed as someone that couldn't even be married because you, you, you gave to, to Jesus what was to be given to, to your spouse. She, she made some big sacrifices here to go public with this, to be obedient, right? We, we can tend to be like Judas, selfish, end up in secrecy, and then in self-preservation. Are we willing to give up as Christ did for us? That's the major question. Third, obedience doesn't always make sense. And I kind of already alluded to this before. It doesn't make sense. When you are challenged to do something that God has placed upon your heart, Imagine Mary maybe sharing this with Martha. You know, I don't know if she went public with it at all. But maybe God's challenged you some crazy dream to go and be a missionary to here or some crazy dream to, to do this for God there or, or what have you. And you're afraid to share it because you never know what you're going to get back, right? Part of the reason is because your obedience doesn't have to make sense to somebody else. It only has to make sense to you. Jesus, you know what we can do with this money? He's like, yes, I know. You know what I can do with that money? Loaves and fishes was no problem to multiply. Of course I can do a lot with a lot. You know what I mean by this? Of course I know. That's not the point of the story here. The point of this is us learning obedience, right? Jesus says, leave her alone. Leave her alone. You will always have the poor, but you won't always have me. Even when it doesn't make sense, God has called you. He's called you to the greater meaning. Mary anointing Jesus because of what Jesus was obedient to as well. Because of his obedience to come as the Messiah, he needed to be anointed as such to show folks what was gonna happen as well. So his obedience set off, triggered her obedience. And hopefully today, her obedience triggers your obedience, sets off your obedience as well. Also, when he said, leave her alone, I love it. Jesus says, I will defend and protect you. What I've called you to, I will defend and protect you in. What I've called you to, I will defend and protect you in. Jesus like, yes, I know what that money can do. But you know what? You leave her alone. Can you see that? You see him there? He'd get a little angry. Get that, that, that twitch in his eyes. You know what I'm saying? Like about to flip tables over kind of Jesus. Didn't sin in it. Never send any anger, but can you imagine? Leave her alone, kind of thing. And just imagine the disciples, you know. That's what I see, at least, but I'm a dreamer. Even when it doesn't make sense to those around you, God's direction will make perfect sense to you. Be careful who you share it with. 
Worship team, if you guys want to make your way up as we conclude with this last thought. I sat in an illustrative sermon one time and uh, the communicator had this really, really, really strong perfume, basically. And he sat there. I wasn't going to do it today because, I don't, you know, some people with allergies, this was at a youth thing, so they don't, kids don't care about anything, you know, and they're like, this is awesome. Um, you're like, uh, my allergies are killing me and I may die because of what you just did. I remember he took that alabaster jar and he took a hammer and he, you may have seen that depicted before as well. And that smell began to fill the whole room, the whole auditorium. I mean, we were in a big space. And I remember he was just pounding that, that, that you know, the, the fragrance, the fragrance, the smell, the aroma, and it was filling your senses completely. Have you ever been around someone that, that wears good cologne or perfume? That's nice, right? They walk by and you're like, that's good. Well, sometimes there's good perfume or cologne that they put too much on. It's, you're like, I can handle that from a distance. That's okay. But sometimes right? There's those people. They're like, maybe you have lost your sense of smell, okay? Um, you, you need like a smell liaison, all right? I will go with you and be a shopper, okay? I will bring my coffee beans with me, shake them in front of your nose so we can reset your sense here of smell because something happened in between your childhood and now and you do not know good fragrance, and you don't know the control of that fragrance and that you only need about one good spritz of an eau de toilette and you will be fine. <laughs> you just axed the whole room because you spray bombed yourself. Anybody, is this like, is this making sense? Ugh, youth camp. Oh my gosh, that was terrible. <laughs> just take a shower. <laughs> Hopefully Kara's teaching that today in the middle school class. Can I get amens, all right? My boy's like always stealing my cologne. I'm like, you know what? You smell great. Go and be prosperous, my child, okay? <laughs> Showering twice a day. He's a, he's a kid after my own heart. I love him. But see, obedience smells good to God. Right? I think about this, and, and, and this pure nard, that just sounds like, uh, but this perfume, I can, I can, okay, that's good. And to God, your life that is life-giving, that is life-being with him, that is obedient. Ooh, I didn't know that was obedient. That's in there, okay. Is a refreshing fragrance to God's senses. And I think about our Heavenly Father and that, that he even, he knows you by what you give. You know what I'm saying? I lost my dad, you know, probably, man, 13 years ago. Actually, August... Six was 13, fifth. And um, sometimes I can still recall my dad's scent. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And I think about that with God and that he can recall the scent of, of our lives and the praise that we, and the obedience that we give to him. It smells good in dad's nostrils when you're around him. And I think about Mary and she put this all over Jesus. We see in the different uh, perspectives of, of the 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 writers of that day. And I think about it not only was on Jesus and it was a smell that would signify what he would do, but it was also on Mary and her hair everywhere she went. 
She was reminded of her obedience, stepping out by faith, willing to give everything up, basically, I would say, to be obedient to God as Jesus was doing the same thing, being obedient to God. Do you see what I'm saying? And I think today, God wants to help you get some new smells. All right? I love a good, mm, because we've been on the other side of this. I think today that God wants to help you. I used to, I used to apologize for praying, God, help me. Now I just, I, I, I love it because I want him to help me. God, help me. God, help me. When I'm writing, God, help me to do this as I'm praying. God, help me to do that because he wants to help me. Help me smell like you. Help me be someone that is pleasing in the senses of those I come around. Help my obedience to be something that not only they see, but they can just sense it. They can smell it. Let it be aromatic everywhere I go, like walking up in the bath and body works and smelling the... Mm. I love fresh smells, okay? Don't like bad ones. God loves for you to smell like him. Be fresh. Pleasing to the senses of those he's given you around you. And I think what's so great is that um, we have a chance. Can you imagine if Judas chose differently? Now, we know it was part of God's plan, and that can be a whole other conversation that it's hard to figure out. But I think Judas could have done things differently, and the plan of God still would have been is a whole other conversation. But when I think about my life today and your lives, you have a choice. Okay, that's what we can learn and take away for sure. Will I be with Jesus at his feet? Will I be a pleasing aroma to him, but also to those around me? Will I be obedient in what he's asked me to do? So what you may run up against right now is like, I don't know what he's asking me to do right now. Anybody feel that way? Anybody feel that way? I feel like I do not have direction. Okay. Welcome to life. What did he say last? I was 12, and he gave me marching orders that I did not listen to until I was 17. There was a lot of hurt in between there, a lot of pain that I did not have to go through. He didn't want me to, but I finally chose. And was it perfect after the fact? Absolutely. Everything has been perfect ever since. <laughs> perfect amazing mm -mm, no but I find myself the closer I am to his feet feet but the closer I am to him the closer I am to who I'm supposed to be obedient and the enemy ever since I was 12 when God said I want you to do this he says I want you to do that so if you're getting bombarded Especially if you're like, I want to be good soil. I want to grow in this thing. And the last week was craptastic. Welcome to life. If you're trying to be obedient in everything that you do, and it feels like, man, one step forward, two back. Welcome to life. The goal is understanding that he's never left you nor forsaken you. That you have a choice in the situation. Will I choose to be obedient with the last thing he said? Because if you can't, be that 
I just want to be careful about not saying do that. But if you can't be what he's already asked you to be, why is he going to tell you to be something else? You didn't steward the first thing he gave you. And the hardest thing to ever steward is two words, follow me. Follow me. So close your eyes with me. Probably uh, during this time of conversation, as the word of God was read to you, uh, the word of God that was and still is inspired by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit also, part of the triune God, challenged you, probably put a finger on something in your life, a way that you have been disobedient. Um, just remember, even if it's delayed, it's still disobedience. You, 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 you have a, something he pressed on you and said, mm, that's where I want you to change today. That's where I want you to start walking in the right direction. Right there is the starting point. Or maybe for you, it might be those two words that I just shared at the end, follow me, that, that has been just so hard to do. The challenge this morning is to sit at his feet and be honest about where you're at. That's the key. Because this building will not sustain you. A Sunday service will not sustain you. Even your closest friends, will not, they will not sustain you. Even those that are discipling you will not sustain you. Your parents will not sustain you. No one will sustain you to the point that God has desired to sustain you. Mary understood that. And she was willing to give everything to follow him, everything to be obedient. So the choice is up to you. So how do we respond to that? Understanding that the cross is enough. I love that. The song we sang this morning already. The cross is enough and that it is a reminder. An empty cross is a reminder of a risen Savior. That's enough. Why did he rise? So that we too can rise, meaning that we will be with him forever. That death has no sting, has no victory. We are fighting from a point of victory, fighting from victory. So you begin to walk with him. God, forgive me of anything I've done to separate me from you, the lies I may have believed, and I begin to walk with you from this day forth, knowing that it will not be perfect, but who is? I'll just walk with you. And then maybe again, you respond by saying, this is specifically where I need to be obedient, what the Spirit of God convicted me on. So you respond in worship, giving it to God. That's what those raised hands are. I give up in a good way but also you respond in prayer. And the goal, the number one, to him, then to them. The person you came with, there's small groups that are represented here. I see that. There's connect group leaders that are represented here. You get with that person as we close out this time and say, pray for me with this and fill in the blank so that you can have an expectation together that God is coming through, okay? And then when you're done with that, give God glory. Continue to worship. And then go and be changed. Be changed. Walk out of here understanding who you are with a new fragrance as you walk out. Pleasing to God and man. Pleasing.
So Lord, help us to solidify this moment with humility like Mary had, trust like Mary had, and obedience as she showed us here today that we may be people just like that in everything that we do. Not perfect, but always wanting to be in close proximity to the one who is. We love you, Jesus. We really, we really love you, Jesus. Thank you. We love you. Thank you. We have a chance to respond. In your name we pray. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Thank you for listening to the Foundry Podcast. We hope it has been a blessing to you. For more information on service times and upcoming events, visit our website at thefoundrywv.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at thefoundrywv.